Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Remember last week I told you that I got my first COVID vaccine? I got the Moderna shot. My arm was sore for like three days, which I'd heard many other people talk about their arm being sore. I made sure to get the shot in my left arm since I'm right-handed so it wouldn't interfere with, with anything I do with my dominant arm. No one mentioned, and in nothing I read, because I did read up on the vaccine and the side effects, no one mentioned bruising. I don't have a giant bruise, but I have a noticeable, very deep. It looks like I've been abused. It looks like someone like threw me into something and fucked up my arm. It's really bad. It doesn't hurt or anything, but it's really bad. I'm like a bit concerned. I was asking about it on Facebook and some other people said that they had bruises, but most people just said they had soreness. I don't know. If this bruise doesn't go away, I'm going to have to go see a doctor. I'm like, is my arm okay? Is it going to fall off? Fuck. Oh, we have so much to talk about today. So much fuckery abounds. So much. Oh my gosh. But before we get too far in the episode, I wanted to let you know that the Don't Waste Your Pretty merch, the hoodies and the mugs are now 30% off on my site. So DemetriaLLucas.com. It's an end of season sale. So go to the site and make sure that you get your hoodies and your mugs Because once we shut down the hoodies, they're not coming back until the fall. And they will not be on sale when they return in October. So make sure you pick those up. I think the mugs are down to like $17. The hoodies, I think the least expensive one is like $42 now. Down from $60. So definitely a good deal. Should we start with Black Excellence? Or should we start with fuckery? Let's start with fuckery. Because we always try to start respectable. Maybe we'll end respectable this week. I told you every week, right before I start recording, I do a quick sweep of all my favorite sites to see what people are talking about. God, do I regret that today. Ugh. I was looking around. I stumbled across this story about Tyrese. Now, Tyrese was married to his second wife for a few years. And they're currently separated. And he has a new girlfriend. Tyrese was on the internet. I don't know if it was live or it was a video the girlfriend posted. He was uh, grooming his girlfriend. He was grooming her nether parts on video. In the video, which I solely watched so I could talk about it here. If I didn't have this podcast, I wouldn't have watched this fuckery. Her legs are up in the air and you can see Tyrese's head bobbing around about where her veggie would be and he's talking about like yeah I'm applying the cream and you gotta put a little oil in it I was like oh oh, oh." one why y'all sharing this shit on the internet you want to shave your lady your lady likes to be shaved like you know so be it but then I'm also like oh girl you putting a razor down there in the year of our lord 2021 honey we got wax for that we got sugar for that you ain't got to do that no more. But I guess a lot of people were really concerned about her veggie because ma'am, the girlfriend, she followed up to let people know that she actually prefers to get sugar waxed, but that Tyrese really prefers to shave her. And so she allows him to. And I was like, girl, you risking razor bumps and a cut up coochie for Tyrese? Girl, girl, don't nothing about Tyrese make me think that he would have a steady hand. And wouldn't fuck around and, and nick the click with the razor. 
Tyrese looks steady to you? I don't understand this man. He is a talented man. He is a solid actor. He is a beautiful singer. He's a gorgeous man. Sir, if you want attention, just take your shirt off and, and post pictures on the internet. Plenty of other people do it and are very famous off of it. Or you could sing because you have a beautiful voice. You could sing. You could do covers like Tony Braxton the other day. I guess she went to Jada Pinkett Smith's house and decided to like play the piano and sing some Anita Baker. And that brought her much positive attention. And people said, wow, Tony looks amazing. And she sounds beautiful. And she is playing that piano. Beautiful attention. That was good attention. Pause. Did y'all see that video Tony Braxton posted? I want to say like last weekend. She was in a red thong. She is 53 years old. She looks amazing. Positive attention. Half naked on the internet. That is an option for Tyrese. He looks like he at least has six abs left. I'd like to see them. I don't understand. Shaving pussy on the internet. And on video. Or he could act. He could act. He could, he could reenact scenes from other people's movies. He could post clips. From the many films that he has been in. And it would bring him positive, sane attention. As, as opposed to being known for antics. People loved Tyrese. Until he got Instagram. It just all went downhill from there. I was a huge Jody fan. I mean, he wasn't shit in the movie. But he was a good actor. Or at least when we believed he was acting. Oh, this is, I don't know if this counts as fuckery. I think this is just like a testament perhaps to either my common sense or my brokenness. So I am obsessed with Usher. I've been obsessed with Usher for a very long time. I have seen Usher perform at least twice. I saw him once at the Apollo, which looks really big on TV, but it's actually very, very tiny in real life. So it was a very intimate concert, but he was amazing. And I think I saw him open for Beyonce like a million years ago. I can't even remember which Beyonce tour that was. And then I have a very good friend who works on tours for a bunch of different artists. And when I was still living in New York, he called me up one day to say he was in town. Can you meet me at XYZ? We'll leave from here and get something to eat nearby. So I drove over. It was way on the west side. And when I pulled up, they were, you know, blasting music. And I was like, where does dude got me meeting him at? Came outside and he got me and he walked me in and Usher was performing. At least he was practicing for his performance. I don't know if he was performing at MSG or where, but he was in New York to perform. And my friend was like, I would have invited you to the show, but they're guarding those tickets. But you, if you want to see the show... So I sat in the back of the room. It was Usher and maybe 10 other people mingling around. And Usher did his whole show. He is phenomenal. So I say all that to say, I was really excited when I heard that Usher was going to have a Vegas residency. Because Vegas is actually driving distance away. But apparently no one from LA ever drives to Vegas. You just take a 45 minute plane ride. Okay, that's fine. But I had every intention of going to see Usher. So last week with the Usher Bucks fiasco, everyone started talking about Usher's Vegas residency. And I was like, oh, I guess everything is back on. Let me log on to get tickets. And let me also tell you this. I only sit in the first section or floor seats. 
That's just where I am in my life. I want the full concert experience. If I have to sit in the second tier, third or fourth is not even something I will fathom. And I'm spending most of the concert either with my glasses on or watch the concert on the big screens. I'd rather just sit home and watch YouTube videos. So I go on to Ticketmaster, the official site, and I'm trying to find tickets. Do you know this Negro is selling tickets for 1900 American USD dollars and dineros? I was like, Usher, Usher. And that wasn't even the most expensive seat. That might've been for opening night. And I was like, okay, I would have loved to see opening night. Clearly I'm not paying $1,900 per ticket to see Usher. That's crazy. So I was like, well, let me go look at some other nights. Some nights were like 2,200. And I was like, for Usher? I am one of Usher's number one fans. I love this man's music. Unless Jesus Christ, Billie Holiday, Luther, Whitney Houston, Nina Simone, and Prince, not or, and all of those people would have to be opening acts for Usher for me to consider if Jesus Christ himself was on the lineup. I'd still be like, ooh, I'll have to wait for the concert documentary. I'm sure that this residency is going to end up as a documentary on either Netflix or HBO. If his team didn't negotiate that as part of the deal, I'm very, very disappointed. But I was like, I guess I'm going to have to catch the documentary. In the 400 level, I looked just for kicks. I'm never sitting there. The 400 level, tickets were $4.99. I was like, in no world, in no possible world. So I was like, I guess I won't be seeing Usher in Vegas. I'm so disappointed. Even like the Wednesday night shows were expensive. And I was like, I can't. I can't. Now, if I was broke, you know, I'd be trying to figure out a way to do it. Whenever I got a little change, I am Scrooge McDuck in this bitch. Like, I will not spend money. Does anybody else do that? Like, when you broke, you just want to, like, ball out. And when you have a little money, you be like, "Mm mm-mm, it's too high, too high, too high. I don't know. I'm so mad. And I know it's not Usher. I know it's, like, the producers of the show. But still. In Ratchet News, did y'all see this shit? And not that I expect much from Rick Santorum. He said a bunch of crazy shit over the years. Go ahead and look it up. It's a long list. Rick Santorum, if you're not familiar, he's a former senator and one-time presidential candidate. But he was speaking to a right-wing student organization, the Young America Foundation. They had a conference last week, Standing Up for Faith and Freedom. And Santorum was invited to speak. This is what he had to say. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim because if I tried to paraphrase it, you'd be like, no, no one would get on a fucking microphone and say that. But yes, yes. Rick Santorum got in front of a room full of people and he said, I'm reading from the Daily Beast. Like to just cite my sources. He said, quote, we birthed a nation from nothing. I mean, there was nothing here. I mean, yes, we have Native Americans, but candidly, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. It was born of the people who came here pursuing religious liberty to practice their faith, to live as they ought to live, and have the freedoms to do so. I am not very familiar with the ins and outs of Native American cultures because there are many. And I'm sure as I speak, on Monday at 3.13 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm sure that there are many Native Americans and or Native American scholars 
who are making long lists of the ways that Native American culture shows up in quote-unquote American culture. Off the top of my head, I could only think of names. Because I think of places like Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga don't sound very English to me, nor does Tennessee. Natchez, Mississippi, don't sound very English to me. Lake Minnetonka, it's actually a real lake. That don't sound very English to me. I don't know. Mississippi or the Appalachian Mountains don't sound very English to me. Hackensack, New Jersey, that sound English to you? That's some Native Americans. I can't tell you which tribe, but just how you know Spanish when you hear it. Like you don't know what people are saying, but you're like, oh, okay, they're speaking Spanish or French. You don't necessarily know what they're saying, but you know just the tone of it enough to figure out like, oh, Spanish, French, Russian. Yeah, it's one of those situations. I know that in English, I look forward to hearing from the Native Americans and or Native American scholars about all the ways that their culture shows up that white folks have tried to appropriate and whitewash. But I also think it's worth noting that maybe, just maybe, there isn't a lot of Native American culture left in America, which is scary and sad, isn't it? White folks came to a whole continent that was inhabited by a whole bunch of human people, millions. And now that culture, any of that culture from millions of people is nowhere to be found on the current continent in which they once solely occupied? Santorum doesn't think that's fucked up. Like, okay, maybe there is no Native American culture. Let's go with that. It's because you killed everybody. And of all times for Rick Santorum to go and say this shit, does he realize that like, I don't know, millions of people are currently watching or recently watched Exterminate the Brutes on HBO? Which we've talked about this film before. I didn't go into great detail about it. But remember when I talked about the documentary within like the first 10 seconds, they're scalping a Native American woman? That's Exterminate the Brutes. It's essentially four hours of loosely colonialism told from the perspective of the colonized. There's a great deal of the documentary dedicated essentially to the genocide of Native Americans. And he talked very frankly about how white folks got to America, which was already occupied, and they were all violent and crazy, trying to use force with the Native Americans who were like, you doing the most. Like, we got enough to go around. Ain't no need for all that. So essentially, they wanted the land that the Native Americans were already occupying. And the Native Americans were like, you know, you can have some of it. Like, you can't have it all. But then white people came through with their violent entitlement, misusing the word of God, talking about manifest destiny is God's will for us to take over this land and move west. And then they were afraid that the Native Americans would actually do back to white folks what white folks had been doing to them. So instead of trying to coexist on the land, they were like, no, we're just going to kill you so we don't ever have to worry about you retaliating for the shit that we did to you when you were over here minding your business. I mean, that's the shortened version of it. But if you've seen the documentary, you know it's also the accurate version of it. But just for Rick Santorum to get up and casually be like, yeah, you know, there's not really a lot of Native American culture because you killed everybody. The fuck? 
America is born of the people who came here pursuing religious liberty to practice their faith, to live as they ought to live and have the freedom to do so. What about the people who were already here, who had their own religion and were practicing their own faith, who were living as they felt they ought to live and were free? Fuck them, right? Because they got melanin. Ain't had no guns. Man. This nigga was a member of Congress. Made decisions. Passed laws. Was in a leadership position. Was someone who people would have considered a role model. Influential. And you run out here saying shit like this. Ooh, child. White folks be white folking sometimes. Whew. What else is going on? Oh, DMX's funeral. That wasn't ratchet. Actually, I don't know. I didn't actually watch it, was it? Only real things I've heard about it. Swiss Beats talking about how black people need wills. We do this every time a black person dies. Because like no one from Prince, Aretha, Chadwick, no one seems to have a will. Kanye West and the choir. Was Kanye actually there or just his choir was there? Because I've only seen pictures of the choir. I haven't seen any pictures of Kanye. I saw the clip of them performing How Excellent. And where I read it, they referred to that as like a, an original of the choir. And I was like, no, that is a gospel staple. I don't know where it came from. It's been around since I was a kid. At least since I was a teenager. But it was a beautiful rendition. It's one of those songs that lets the altos have their moments to shine. I did see a clip of Tashira Simmons. She was dressed in Widow White, DMX's first wife. But the clip I saw, she was at the microphone and she was showing love for DMX's fiance, who was also dressed in all white. She said nice things about the fiance. And she said, you know, this is what real women do, something like that. And then she invited the fiance up to the stage and they shared a hug. And the clip was saying how, you know, this is how real queens act or, you know, this is real sisterhood or something like that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not that level of evolved. And not to say that Tashira Simmons, who I've met a couple times, she's actually a really nice lady. She used to be involved with Ween a lot. But DMX put Tashira like through hell. I'm sure they had good moments. They were married forever and a day. They're childhood friends. I want to say, if I remember the story correctly, they met when they were like 11 and became friends and then didn't start dating until... They were adults, maybe like late teens, something like that. But she was married to him for a minute and she has four children with him. He has 11 other children with other women. Uh, the creation of, of some of those children overlap with their marriage. I guess to be fair, like that has nothing to do with the new fiance. Like DMX would have been responsible for whatever it was that DMX did. But just, are we keeping it 100? It's sometimes challenging even when you're using you know your best logic and best rational self to see someone be good to another person after they treated you like shit if you listen or read because she has a book to share his story about her marriage to dmx i don't think she said he was physically abusive but she was like he was emotionally and psychologically abusive he treated her really, really bad. And she was really fucked up from the way that he treated her. 
or allowed herself to be treated. He's responsible for his part. She's responsible for hers. I think that's fair. But like for them to like go off and like leave you fucked up and then go off and be good with another person. Like I know it's not on the other person. It's on the person who you were with. And logically, logically, I get all of this. I guess it's just hard sometimes for me to like watch other people get like the treatment that I always wanted. Like I can keep myself from like lashing out or or doing anything crazy. But sometimes, you know, it just hurts, you know. So that's why I say Tashir is a better woman than me. Like I could have got up there and I could have kept the focus on DMX. They share four children together. I get it why you would get up there and keep it classy. But like to include the new fiance, that's a good woman. That's a good woman. It's a Christian woman. What else do we need to talk about? I still didn't watch that Red Table Talk with Bobby Brown. I swore I was going to do it over the weekend. It's just not going to happen. It just won't happen. I'm done trying. I thought I really cared about seeing it, but clearly I don't because I haven't watched it. I started rewatching Snowfall from the beginning. Like I'm midway through season three and still didn't watch Red Table Talk. I will say this though. I didn't know Nick was dead. The unofficial son that Whitney Houston adopted that became brother to Bobby Christina, who then Bobby Christina started dating, which I was like, that's so strange. But, you know, rest in peace. Bobby Brown blames Nick for what he says is the murder of Whitney Houston and Bobby Christina because they both died in similar ways. And I guess Nick was around when both of these horrible tragedies took place. So Bobby Brown was like, he's the common denominator. I believe he killed them both, which I think I'd heard before. But then somewhere else in the article, they were like, yeah, Nick Gordon died. And I was like, he's dead? I totally missed that. I don't know how I missed that. And apparently Bobby also talked about his son who OD'd, I guess, earlier this year or last year. Not so long ago. But he said he blamed himself, which I was like, bruh, bruh, don't do that to yourself. Don't carry that. But he was like, you know, I did drugs as a young man. He was like, my son knew that. And I think that gave him license to experiment. And I was like, there's plenty of people whose dads don't do drugs that go and do drugs. Like, don't hold that. Don't hold that, Bobby. You got enough burdens, Bobby. Don't hold that, too. I'm very sorry to hear what happened to his son and his daughter and his ex-wife. He's got a lot of death in his life. If you remember from the New Edition film, it opens when he's like maybe 10, 11, And his best friend is stabbed on a basketball court. And the opening line is something like, there's been a lot of death in my life. It's like, Jesus, Bobby. I feel so bad for that man. I really do. Bobby was, you know, what old folks would like to call a piece of work at some point in his life. He may still be. But I'm like, your ex-wife and two of your kids dying? Whatever you did, you're now even with the universe. I I hope that he has nothing but bright, sunny days. And when he drives, all the lights are green. I feel so bad for that man. I do. But apparently not bad enough to watch Red Table Talk. I don't know what that's about. Maybe I just don't want to see a man in pain that way. I don't know. We need to talk about these Oscars. There's much to talk about with the Oscars. Regina King. Jesus, she looked so freaking amazing. I was in this, um, this clubhouse room. Bevy Smith did a clubhouse room to discuss the fashion for the Oscars. It was her and a bunch of other fashion people, but they were watching E! And they were all on the East Coast. So I wasn't watching the same feed that they were. 
but they were talking about Regina King's dress long before I saw it. And everyone was just like gushing over it. And then when I finally saw the dress, like I gasped. I don't really know fashion terms. I just know like what looks good and what doesn't. And she looked freaking amazing. Lester and Mary should be so proud. Brenda looked amazing. The sleeves, the color, the hair, the makeup, the Brenda. Like she looked so damn good. Oh, Angela Bassett. She had this red number on. The front was very cute, but the back had like this big bow. She looked very like 80s Barbie, but in like the best of Barbie ways. And I only say that because 80s Barbie wore like this really red dramatic dress. And that's what it reminded me of. Like an 80s Barbie, but like the holiday Barbie, like the really special Barbie in a Bob Mackie dress. Although she was not wearing Bob Mackie. That's just what the 80s Barbie wore. But she looked amazing. That's what I'm trying to say. Viola. I didn't love her dress. But I love the dress on her. Does that make sense? Like she's a very sexy woman. Like she's got like a bunch of boobs. And she knows how to accent them well. When she first walked the red carpet. I was like oh, okay. Like it's nice. I'm not wowed by it. But I'm certainly not offended by it. But then there's this picture of her sitting in the dress and like her boobs are just doing like, you know, like the boob thing. They look really great. Her head is turned to the side just enough so you can see her hair is in a natural mohawk. It's just like seeing the angles of her face and the hair and then like her her brown skin and this like cocaine white dress with like the cutouts. Definitely appreciated that the cutouts matched her skin. I absolutely hate when there are cutouts on a dress and they've got like the nude material underneath, but it's not the same color as the person. It's like white girl nude, but it's not the color of black girl nude. And you know, we got a range of shades, but they got her nudes right as they should. Cause I'm sure that dress cost an arm and a leg, but she looked, she looked really, really good. She looked really, really good. I didn't care for Halle Berry's whole thing. And just to be clear, Halle Berry on an off day is still MF Halle Berry. I just want to be clear on that. The hair, it looked like she cut her bangs herself. And I was like, mm -mm, mm -mm. like if you want to go short because you look great with short hair, Halle Berry, like let's just go back to the, the pixie that you were doing for years. I know you're bored with it and you like to keep changing it and you like to grow it out and do other things. You got one style. Just You got one style that really works really, really great for you, Halle Berry, and you should keep that style, even though I know that you're bored with it. But that is your look, Halle Berry. But she, she, she likes to experiment, as many women do. And so she, she, she came out with like a Dora the Explorer type cut, and, and her makeup was, I think she did it herself. She's done her makeup on the red carpet before and proudly said, I did this myself and it looked good. But that, that wasn't, that wasn't Halle Berry at her best. I didn't really mind the dress so much. Like some people hated it. Like I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I don't dislike it enough to do commentary about it. It was like lilac. It was, it's all right. But that hair, mm -mm. that makeup. And, and again, still MF Halle Berry, still blowing most chicks out the water, but not the best that we've seen from Halle Berry. Andrew Day, I didn't care for her dress. She spent a lot of her career channeling Billie Holiday, 
which was great in that it led to her playing the role of Billie Holiday um, in a performance that was so damn good. I think she should have won, even though I didn't see the movie from the woman who did. I think she's trying to differentiate herself now from the character of Billie Holiday, which I get. But I think she went too far in another direction. I think that dress would have been absolutely amazing for the BET Awards. It would have been great. But for the Oscars, I didn't care for it. Too much skin. And not to say that you can't have skin at the Oscars. It wasn't, I don't want to say not appropriate. Because like she didn't look trashy. It just, I just didn't like it. I'll leave it at that. You know what else I didn't like? And it wasn't because, you know, it's sort of like, not necessarily gender bending. I don't really care about that. Lakeith Stansfield, he wore this jumpsuit, very 70s vibes. And then he dyed his hair blonde. And I was like, oh, okay, like you're an artist on your artist shit. Like, I get it. Like, I'm a creative. I dye my hair different colors. Like, I get it. I just, I don't know. I feel like for the Oscars, like, I may have, like, some traditional leanings. Like, again, I think if he wore that to, like, the MTV Awards or he wore it to, like, the BET Awards, I would be like, okay, great. I mean, I still wouldn't care for it, but I think it would be more, like, occasion appropriate. But no, it didn't work for me. I don't particularly care for men dyeing their hair. Me saying that I don't care for it doesn't mean that I don't think men should do it. It's just me saying that, like, they should do it if that's what they feel like doing. It's just not a particular preference of mine. And yes, I completely realize I'm saying this as someone with bleached hair who last year spent months dying at several different shades of pink. I'm fully aware of my contradictions here, just for clarity. So many things happened at the Oscars last night. Little Rail was, there wasn't an official host, but he was one of the hosts among many hosts. And so at one point in the program, he gets this bright idea and he's like, I'm going to ask Questlove to play snippets of songs. And I'm going to ask different people in the audience what this song is. Was it nominated for an Oscar and did it win? The first song, I think it was Purple Rain. And so he went to Andre Day and he said, Andre Day, you know, this is this song. Do you recognize this song? She said, of course, I recognize this song. She started singing along. And he says, was this song recognized by the Academy? Was it nominated? Did it win? And she said something to the effect of it probably should have won, but you know, they be on that bullshit and they edited that out. (laughs) So then little rail, he goes over to, to blanket Daniel Kaluuya. And he says, Daniel, um, and I think he played a Donna Summer song. He said, you know, do you recognize this song? And he does. And he says, was this song nominated and did it win an Oscar? He and Little Rel go back and forth. Little Rel reminds him, I saved this man's life. I took the car from my job and I drove up to the woods and I saved you. I'm never doing that again. He's referring to Get Out. And Daniel says back to him on a microphone. And he was like, yeah, I, I should be good from here on out because I'll never date that kind of woman again. He meant white women. I was like, do these people know that the cameras are on? Do they know they're being recorded and broadcast to an international audience? 
Then Little Rail walks over to Glenn Close. He plays doing the butt. That like put Go-Go on the map for like everybody else. So Little Rail asked Glenn Close and he said, well, can you identify this song? And she kind of looks at him like, you know, really, you're asking me that? And I was like, this white lady don't know nothing about no doing the butt. Like, come on now. And so then she goes on to say, and she was like, yes, this song is called The Butt and it's by EU. And it was, you know, part of this Spike Lee movie called School Days and shout out to Backyard and the whole DMV. I screamed. I screamed because people don't love DC like, like they should. Like people are all like, oh my God, LA, LA, New York, New York, Atlanta, Atlanta, Chicago, Chicago. People really don't show DC the proper love that it deserves. DC is everything that most cities wish they could be. Oh, pause. How did I miss this at the beginning of the podcast? One of my very good friends, Remember like over the summer, I would go protesting and I was always like, oh yeah, my friend, I went protesting with my friend and we walked from um, the White House to the Capitol and then back to the White House. And then we went to Black Lives Matter to celebrate when the election was officially called for Joe Biden. And we, I can't tell that part of the story. It's nothing salacious. It just wasn't entirely legal, but everyone else was doing it. And I don't mean we just, oh gosh, now I can't say anything. No, I can't even tell my part of it because, okay, maybe I'm just not going to say anything. We went out to celebrate. Oh, I feel like I can only tell really pristine stories about him now. Like he's one of like the most upstanding, responsible people I know. Did I tell you the story about like the time my lawyer went off on me because I hadn't copywritten Don't Waste Your Pretty? And I mean, like as of November of last year, I hadn't done it. Don't ask. He flipped. Um, But him. Ah, can I tell that story? I don't know what stories I can tell about him anymore. I'm just going to say that he's a really good friend and he's absolutely amazing and that he just announced today that he is running for Attorney General of D.C., Ryan Jones. I adore him and I'm so excited for him. And literally the last time we hung out, which was the last time I was home in D.C., but we were walking back from the store and he was telling me and he was telling me that he was seriously thinking about running for attorney general. I grilled him about it. And I was like, well, why do you want to do it? Why do you think you'd be the right person for the job? But I really, really wanted him to do it because I think he's like smart and fair and um, he has good sense. So Ryan Jones for DC attorney general. I'm super, super excited for him. Much congratulations to you, my friend. I wish I lived at home so I could vote for you. But if you are a DC resident and you want to know more about Ryan Jones, and this is not a paid ad. This is generally like one of my homies. You can learn more about him. Ryan Jones for AG.com. Ryan Jones for AG.com. Please take a look. I'm sure you will find him to be as wonderful and cute as I think he is. But that's not the point. The point is, Little Rail asked Glenn Close, who... If you're not familiar with Glenn Close, he's got to be like 70. You know what? How old is Glenn Close? Let's look. She's 74. She looks amazing. She don't look like no white 74 because, you know, sometimes like bananas. That's not the point. The point is, Little Rail asked her about the butt. She rattles off this encyclopedic answer and like part of me is thrilled, but then another part of me is like, clearly this is scripted. Let's not get too excited, but let's appreciate the DMV love because although we are worth it, we do not receive enough of it. Fine. Then little Rel asked her, he was like, well, you know, would you like to get up and, and do the butt? Can you, can you do the dance? And then Glenn Close, a 74 year old white woman in a ball gown, 
the Oscars gets up and begins to do the butt. She didn't do a bad job either. She was moving it around. She was shaking that thing. And I was like, okay, ma'am. I saw a lot of people being like, oh, Glenn Close is invited to the cookout. No, she ain't. No, she ain't. Y'all gonna stop giving white people every time they do something halfway decent invites to the cookout. We could send plates to friends and allies, people who have earned goodwill with the cookout. Y'all just be trying to invite everybody. Y'all just be trying to invite everybody. No, no. No, no. The cookout is for us to enjoy our blackness without interference. We're not trying to have a cookout appropriated. All the white folks y'all be trying to have at the cookout, cookout not going to be the same. They're going to fuck around and try to make requests at the DJ booth. We're going to fuck around and be listening to like ABBA and shit at the cookout. I'll take some Hall and Oates though and some Billy Joel. That's a soulful white man. To Michael McDonald on my own, that's a soulful white man. We could play his music. He still can't come to the cookout. I'm just saying. We'll send him a nice plate. Pack it tight. Wrap it in the foil. I want to talk about Daniel Kaluuya. Congratulations to him on winning an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Chairman Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. There were two other black men nominated in that category. It was um, Leslie Odom Jr. for Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. He did a great job. And then also Lakeith Stansfield, which I was like, so you and Daniel were in the same film and y'all both were supporting actors? Who was the lead? Did we ever get an answer to that question? I know I asked it before. We never got a plausible answer to that, did we? It's confusing. But congratulations to Daniel Kaluuya. He had a great Oscar speech to start. To start. Sir May just went left. And I was like, how did we end up here? He, we started off so well. He thanked God twice. He thanked his mama. He thanked his family. He thanked his team. He thanked the producers. He thanked the studio. He thanked Lakeith Stansfield. He thanked Dominique Fishback, who played his girlfriend, the mother of his child in the film. She did an amazing job. He thanked Chairman Fred Hampton's family. He thanked Chairman Fred Hampton and Bobby Seale and Huey Newton and the Black Panther Party. We're doing so well. He talked about how there's so much work to do in, in fighting racism, eliminating racism. And he said, this ain't no single man's job. Basically telling white people, this ain't just a black problem. This is y'all problem. We in this together. Let's all fix it. All hands on deck. Great. He was doing so well. And then I think his nerves just got to, to the best of him. Because he ended the speech and he said something like, my mom and dad had sex and they made me, sir, sir, look, look, we are all here because two people had sex. But no one actually acknowledges it. Jesus Christ, pretend you popped out of a pod like everyone else. Have some goddamn decency. Nobody wants to think about their parents having sex. It's gross. But he got up on the Oscar stage <laughs> before an international audience and said that shit. I was like, sir, what are you doing? <laughs> the cameraman flashed to his family in the audience. It was his mother and his sister. His sister covered her face with her hands and leaned forward, just like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. And his mother was like, wait, what did he say? She couldn't believe that shit either. I will say this too. I was really proud of him for mentioning 
the Black Panther Party and Huey P. Newton and, and Chairman Fred Hampton and Bobby Seale. I mean, I wish he had mentioned some of the women in the Black Panther Party as well, like Elaine Brown, like Asada Shakur. And I also appreciate him for using his platform to talk about racism because he was heavily, I would say, criticized. At some point, he said he was tired of talking about racism and a lot of people lit his ass up and they were like, yo, you're this British actor, you're coming over to America and you're taking these roles that are highly charged around race and you've got this obligation to speak about race. How dare you say you're tired of talking about racism? Don't be a fucking black actor taking these highly charged roles if you don't want to talk about race. And I kind of get it because I'm like, I get sick of talking about race. I think every black person gets sick of talking about race. But you can't get in front of a microphone and be asked about race as a black person, a black person with good sense, not in America, and be like, I'm tired of talking about this. You just can't. It's just, it's culturally, it's just not what we do. But this ain't his culture. It's something else. But they lit his ass up over that. But I feel like he made good. One, with his performance as Chairman Fred Hampton, like he was mesmerizing. Oh my God, that was such a good movie. But then also, I felt like he did good with his speech until the part about his mama, which I was like, bruh, you just just backed up over the line (laughs) and did a running leap over it. (laughs) Also, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson. They won an Oscar for doing the hair and makeup for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. They are the first black people, women or men, to win an Oscar in this category for hair and makeup, which I was like, really? Really? But congratulations to them. And that's an interesting win. There was much conversation about Viola Davis's makeup as Ma Rainey. A lot of people were like, why? Hair? Yes. Wardrobe? Sure. Makeup? A lot of conversation. People didn't like it. I'm still happy for these black women, though. I'm still happy for them. What Issa say? I'm rooting for everybody black. Most people black. I'm not rooting for Tyrese. I don't root for Tyrese. Even though he's black. No rooting for Tyrese. I root for Van Lathan, though. What was the name of that film? Did I write it down? I watched it on Netflix the other day. Let's look it up. Netflix, short film, Oscar. Two Distant Strangers. It won the Oscar for Best Short Film. It's a good film. It's also a very hard film to watch. I don't think I'm giving anything away by giving, by sharing the premise, um, which is all over the place now. But it's a black guy who's trying to make it home to his dog. It's very Groundhog Day. Every time he attempts to make it home, he has an encounter with the police. So he keeps trying different methods to try to make it home. It's very brutal. It's very violent. I watched it because people were buzzing about it because it had been nominated for an Oscar. It's one of those films that I watched once. I'll never watch it again. I'm glad that I saw it. But even watching it, like it was just brutal. At some point, you physically start to feel the blows. That's not the right word, but it's the word I'm going to use that he's taking over and over and over throughout the film. Like it's like you start to have a physical reaction to what you're watching. 
At least that was my experience. It was well acted. It was it was well thought out. Um, I did have a couple questions. I was like, you trying all these different methods. Like, why do you never try to take the girl with you? And the motivation is really to get home to your dog? Maybe because I ain't never had a dog. I don't really fully understand, like, the emotional attachment. Like, I know that dogs are, like, members of your family. They're, like, children. But just wanting to get home in one piece ain't motivation enough? I don't know. I don't know. This is just me throwing out different ideas of how it could have gone. And that's also probably not the best way to view the film because the whole point of the film, I think, is it doesn't really matter what you try. Like, you could try all these different things and the outcome is still going to be the same because it's not you that's the problem, it's the world. But so suggesting that his girlfriend could have gone with him or that he needed another motivation or all of that is actually pretty stupid when you really focused on what like the message of the film is. And still, I thought it. I'm just saying. But Van Lathan, along with many, many other people, he was one of the producers of the film. There's a couple other people involved in that. Terrence J., who goes by his full name, Terrence Jenkins now, which I was like, sir, we only know you as Terrence J. Like, you can, we'll call you Terrence Jenkins, but we just translate it back in our heads to Terrence J. Just FYI. Kevin Durant, Jesse Williams, and Sean Combs. Uh, but they were also producers on the film. But I'm focusing on Van Lathan because Van Lathan got this Oscar and he took a picture with that Oscar. And the caption was at TMZ underscore TV. His former job. <laughs> Y'all remember that story. Van got fired from TMZ in 2019. And people liked Van. Like, black folks was very upset about Van being fired. Van had to put out a statement and was like, Y'all, I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. But it's been what? Like two years later? And Van produced a film that won an Oscar? <laughs> His petty ass tag TMZ. <laughs> oh, Van. Congratulations to your petty ass. I'm proud of you. Oh, I like to think I'm petty. I'm not this level of petty. If I left my former employer on bad terms, I might have tagged them. I wouldn't have put them in the whole caption. And I would have tagged them with a whole bunch of other people too. I might have tagged all my former employers. I wouldn't have just chosen one. The petty ass man. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Because he was very much known as Van from TMZ. I've not met this man. I know nothing about him. Like, I don't even think we have friends in common where I, like, hear stories about him. Like, I would imagine that when you work a job like that, you get very tied to your identity as so-and-so at so-and-so occupation. And maybe I'm projecting from a previous life. But sometimes when you walk away from, from jobs like that or, or get fired, as the case may be here, your, your ego takes a blow. Part of your identity is caught up in like what you do and you start to mistake it for who you are. That may or may not be his story. I have no idea. But something tells me that him tagging TMZ, maybe he just mad because they fired him. I don't know. But good for him. I've said that like three times. I'm genuinely happy for the man. I love a good comeback story. Although he didn't really like go nowhere. I don't know what else he's been doing besides, you know, producing an Oscar winning film. I know he and... um. Rachel from The Bachelor have a super popular podcast. I don't live and die by the rankings of Ratchet and Respectable, but whenever I do look, he and Rachel are usually like, I'd say in like the top 50 on society and culture on iTunes. So his podcast is doing really well. I know what I get paid for ads. 
hovering around like 119 to 130. I rarely cracked the top 100. But I was like, in the top 50, bruh. Please believe his bills are paid well. Like he said, don't worry about me. I love to see good things happen to good people. He seems like a good guy. I hope he is. If he ain't shit, don't tell me. Last but certainly not least, we need to talk about how Chadwick Boseman didn't win for Best Actor in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He lost to Anthony Hopkins. Usually with the Oscars, the last award of the night is Best Picture. If you remember when Moonlight won, but they announced someone else, and then one of the actors from that had to announce, actually, it's not us, it's Moonlight. Remember that? That was the last award of the night. But last night, for whatever reason, they switched it up. I guess because they thought viewers would tune out once they saw Chadwick didn't win. I don't know. But the last award of the night was Best Male Actor instead of Best Picture. And the award went to Anthony Hopkins. People were very disappointed by it because they were like, yeah, that's why all the black people tuned in to watch. We wanted to see Viola win. We wanted to see Andra Day win. And we wanted to see Chadwick. And none of those wins happened. So why we watch this shit again? But the award went to Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't in attendance. He was in Wales. But Anthony Hopkins did release a statement today, on Monday, the day after the Oscars. In his recorded speech, he said, quote, I want to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who was taken from us far too early. And again, thank you all very much. I really did not expect this. I think he even thought Chadwick was going to win. But he said... I feel very privileged and honored. Talk about a womp womp into a ceremony. You get an upset with, again, Anthony Hopkins, very qualified actor. And still, I wanted our Chadwick to get the Oscar. They're really, quite honestly, I like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I like Black Panther. I liked, there's some other role that he's like always lauded for. Chadwick Boseman's best role was as James Brown. I've said it a bunch of times, at least on here. If you've never seen Get On Up, he is masterful. Oh my God, he's so, so, so good. But yeah. Rest in peace, Chadwick. Much love and respect to his widow who held him down throughout award season because I think he got every other major award, but not the Oscar. Shame. Anticlimactic shame. Because not only did you disappoint people who wanted Chadwick to win, you just like screwed up a good production. What was the producers thinking? That was no way to end the ceremony. Yeah. So that is it for this week's Ratchet and Respectable. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, merchandise for Don't Waste Your Pretty and Ratchet and Respectable. The hoodies, the sweatshirts, and the Don't Waste Your Pretty mugs. They are 30% off on DemetriaLLucas.com. It's our end of season sale. Once I put these away, we're not breaking them back out to October. I might add more colors, but they won't be on sale. So if you want a hoodie or a sweatshirt or a mug, please head over to DemetriaLLucas.com ASAP so you can get your size in the color that you want. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life in between now and the next episode, Please follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Demetria L. Lucas. I think that's everything. I could tell you who our guest will be on Friday. It's one of my favorite people. I've interviewed him before and he is a delight. 
He also has the most beautiful teeth I've ever seen. He and his wife, like who is their dentist? We'll talk again on Friday. Okay, bye.